If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right, how's it going, everybody? This is D, FTO Nerd Talk. Got a great guest here today, uh, Michael Shea. It's Shea, right? Uh, Shea, yeah. It is Shea, okay. Yep. Michael, Michael Shea, how's it going, Mike? <laughs> I'm good. How about you, D? Not too bad. Uh, so, I read your story. It's uh, Miskatonic High. Mm-hmm. And so, you're still willing to talk to me. That's impressive. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's, it's a little different. It has like a lot of different uh, aspects of magic from, seems like from like all over different spectrum, like like all different types of spectrum of uh, magic. Mm-hmm. It seemed to be real. And mm-hmm. you put all of that into this one story. Right. Like, uh, was, was that a challenge for you? Yeah. So when I had been working with my, my partner, uh, Ryan, we had done some like fan fiction before this and we were starting to realize that we actually liked what we were doing and thought that it was actually, you know, halfway decent. And rather than doing fan fiction where we couldn't sell it or, you know, show it to anybody, we thought, you know, why don't we put to get something together that we both liked that we both could own and really feel like we own it and do something that hopefully would be really good or that people would like or respond to. And so when we were coming up with ideas, you know, one of the things that he really responded to and he really likes is sort of that, that Lovecraft style horror that's kind of in vogue right now. Kind of spooky, kind of noir at the same time. Yep, spooky noir. And the, the cool thing about Lovecraft horror is there's no angels, there's no demons. Really what it is, it's a bunch of monsters who don't really care about you one way or another. You know, it's like you're like nothing to them. You're like a little ant to them. You know, it's like a, it's like a task that they want they want to complete, and that's that. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, they got their own thing going on, and you know, you're nothing to them. And you know, if you died, so be it. If you live, so be it. You know, they don't really care one way or another. And you know, when I heard that, I was thinking, you know, that sounds exactly like my high school. So why don't we uh, mix that, you know, horror with some high school horror, and uh, you know, see if we can come up with something cool. And so yeah, so we we. We brought some horror into it. We brought some comedy into it. We brought some high school into it. And, you know, just wanted to see where it would go. And next thing you know, gosh, we've done eight issues so far. And we've already actually made 13. We just haven't released them all yet. You, uh, you, you, you have it in high school. And mm-hmm. you got, like, a lot of high school kids. And, like, it seems like it takes place, like, in a now-type era. Was, mm-hmm. it, was it hard writing the language for those kids? 
Well, see, the great thing is that audience tends to be people in their 30s and 40s, so they have no idea what kids are saying now either. So, so far, they haven't held it against me. Well, I guess that's good, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, we're following this main character, Alex, mm-hmm. and it, it, everything really kind of revolves around her and, like, the past of magic and, like, past deeds uh, involving mm-hmm. magical situations. Mm-hmm. Uh what what prompted to have like that main character be like the central the central focus for the story? Sure, we sort of accidentally fell into that. So when we were kicking around the idea for what the comic was going to be, one of the things that Ryan said was, you know, what's his thing was let's do like a weird university, but like younger, like a high school, and you know we sort of liked that idea, and then he called it you know, a a breakfast club from hell. And we really liked that idea, you know, where you take five or six kids from, you know, different stratus in in high school, you know, like you got the jock, you got the cool girl, you got the the geek, you got the nerd, you got, you know, the- the, Very typical high school, yeah. Right, yeah, you know, very, very 80s teen brat pack sort of idea and when we were doing it, we started putting it together and, and they all sort of had their different stories. But the thing about it is we had this one girl and she's the geek and she loves all the magic and she loves all the, the mythos and she loves all, she believes it all and she embraces it all and she loves the magic and she wants to do it. So she sort of became the natural driver for like those bigger stories. Okay. You know, it just, it, it made sense that she would be the one who would become a witch. And she, it just made sense that she would be the one who her storyline would revolve around, you know, what had happened in this town, you know, all those years ago that, that brought about this bad blood. And, you know, so really the challenge for us is to have that story be the main story, but make sure that we're ignore we're not ignoring all the other characters, you know? I get it. It's like you're, yeah. you're putting... You're putting like a couple of stories on top of each other, but not trying to ignore the characters at the same time. Right, right. Because the last thing you want to do, so like, I mean, you've read these comics where, you know, maybe you like one of the side characters and the side character shows up like every third issue right. and some, sometimes only gets like two words in edgewise. And you're like, are you ever going to get back to her story? <laughs> you know, and, and I've had those too. And I hate that. And so one of the things we really want to do is... You know, I, I like all the characters. I like all their different stories. And I want to make sure that we don't neglect them. And, you know, because when you're working with, like, a, a bunch of characters from different places, people respond to different characters. Like, I have I have some people who are like, you know, my favorite character is the, is the geeky character because, you know, they see themselves in that person. And then another person will say, you know, look, I see myself in this this girl who's, you know, comes from the poor side of town and, you know, gets picked on all the time. And then we have another one who's like, you know, look, I, I was a jock in high school. I totally was. I totally see that point of view. And so, you know, when you have readers come up to you and say that they see themselves or, or respond to different characters, you don't want to let them down. You don't want to say, oh, well, sorry, we're only going to focus on one character. I get that. That, that makes complete sense also. When, you've also made these characters kind of like very headstrong, very mm-hmm. smart, very very consciously aware. Uh, mm-hmm. is, is the fact that uh, that they're as smart as they are reflect them being inside this school, or did you just want to make smart characters for this story? 
Well, I I don't know about you, but like the the thing that always drives me nuts in horror stories is when the people do the stupid things. Right. Like, uh, no, don't go out to the car that doesn't work. Why don't you just go out? Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know. The other part of it is so like in a movie, you got two hours to fill, so you can have a character do stupid stuff because you got all that time to fill. For a comic book, you got 24 pages. So if I waste time having people do stupid things, I got to wrap this thing up in the last three pages. So I would rather have them do something interesting or smart or something, you know, to really draw in and get to the cool part of the story. That's that's more often than not what it is. I just want to get to the cool part of the story. So, yeah, so that's usually why it is. And, you know, I feel like I feel like teenagers, you know, nowadays would have seen enough movies and seen enough you know, read enough comics to know not to do the stupid thing. So, you know, why, why bother showing it? You wanted to flip it on his head pretty much. Right. Exactly. I get that. You have a, a lot of variant uh, covers of these mm-hmm. stories. Uh, I'm pretty sure you, you have like multiple different people doing these covers for you, but uh, how, how did that work? How did like the, the variants work for the, for this series? Did you, did you get them free range to do what they wanted to do on? Like, did you supervise them over the covers? Or did you guys like uh, have some kind of like overgoing theme when it came like to doing the cover? Cause these are really good covers for, uh, for each variant. Like they're, they're all really good. Well, so here's the thing that happened with me was, you know, I, I came to this, I, we really thought when we did our first Kickstarter, we were going to sell like 15 comic books. Like we didn't think we were going to sell that much. So we ended up like selling to 400 different people and we're like, crap, now what do we do? Oh, wow. um, so what, one of the things that happened over time was realized, you know, look, people want some, some backers want variant covers, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things where some people love them some people hate them. And, you know, one of, one of the things that we try to do is when we do variants, we try to make them give them sort of new content or different kind of content. So we have one variant where we include, you know, a, a, a horror story that inspired us to make that issue. And, or we have a variant that it's, you know, straight black and white, you know, no gray scale, you know, really cool old indie horror style comic. Or, you know, we have another that has, you know, sketches or we have another that has, you know, um, part of the script or the manuscript in it. So we wanted to give them different things. And if they're going to buy variants, you know, to give them different things, but then to come up with the cover for them. At first I was like, I don't know how to even find people. And, you know, one of the cool things is, and you know, this from hanging out is you get to know creators and you get to read indie comics and you find creators that you really like and you like their work. Right. And so instead of going out and chasing somebody who has a following or who costs a lot or who looks great or who did something for, you know, a Marvel comic or did something for, for an avatar comic, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to go out and talk to the creators that, that I love because I knew I wasn't ever going to work on a series with them, but this would give me a chance to work on them with them for like one cover. So I would, so there's like uh, one person who um, goes by JWC and she does this web comic that I really loved called Lost Time. And so I, I just, I emailed her and said, hey, look, you know, I love your work. I don't know if you'd ever consider it, but I'd love it if you would think about doing a variant cover. And she's like, yeah, sure. And so, you know, I sent her the comics and said, look, here's the issue I would like you to do. If you need me to, I can give you ideas for concepts for the cover, but really 
you're the artist, you're the creator. I want to turn this over to you and let you think about what you want on the cover, what, you know, what speaks to you as an artist. And, you know, she created something great. And then I started going to other people and it just amazed me that these, these comic creators who I liked, whose work I enjoyed reading, which were doing covers for me, you know, that's the coolest thing to me. And so, yeah, you turn it over and you never know what you're going to get. I have one just recently where I turned it over to him and he came back and he's like, Oh yeah, it's going to be a fantastic four homage. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do that. That's yeah. cool. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. You know, the thing is when you turn things over to people and give them ownership of it, you know, you're going to get better things than if you tell them what you want. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Like you, you get like a, like pleasantly surprised by what you use to get in return. Right. And you know, that's the thing. It's like uh, the way I always looked at this is, you know, it's art. You, you can't, it's not like going to McDonald's where you can order it your way. You know, it's art. You're giving them a space to create what they want to do in that space. Right. You know, and the more freedom you give them, the more it's going to, it's going to be, their art and that's that's really cool to me that's what i like about it and that's why you know that's where our variants come from is usually just turning it over to artists that i like just to see what happens that's good i like that uh it just it, it, pay, it pays homage to uh to to like the old school of like doing coverage and just like just letting things go and like having like the cover itself be its own story on top of the story that you already have going i like that exactly and you know the the thing about it is you know in in the creator circles, you know, everybody always jokes about you get paid in, in what is it, exposure? And, you know, that's ridiculous, you know. So once we started getting paid for, for doing the comic, you know, I was happy to to pay people to make covers for us. You know, so I'm, I'm paying them. But at the other hand, you know, these are comics that I love. So in a way, I get to give them exposure too. You know, if people can go out and find Lost Time, that's awesome. I think that's great. If people can go out and find Geist's work, it's awesome. It's, you know, these are our creators whose work that I love that I hope people will, you know, take a chance to find out and see if they like it. That's good. I like, yeah, I like that too. That's a, that's a nice, nice humble way to look at it. You, you pay a lot of homage to, uh, well, at least the covers do. You pay a lot of homage to, to different scenes and scenarios throughout uh, like horror, mystic, mm -hmm. fantasy, mm -hmm. uh, like there's one cover where the, the the gang is playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yep. Or or Darkness and Damnation, as they call Darkness it. Darkness and Damnation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> I I didn't see them playing this inside like inside the comic book, but uh, what 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 do those covers usually mean to you when when you have things like them going trick or treating to you know like the the House of a Tentacle Monster? Like what what are the, what do those covers signify right. for you? Right. So sometimes it, it kind of depends. Like the, let me take the, the role playing one. Cause we had talked. So the way it works for, for our comic and, you know, everybody does it differently is, you know, at the beginning of every season or every arc, I go to Ryan and say, Hey, you know, is there, are there any kinds of stories that you want to do for the next six issues? You know, anything specific that you want to draw or things like that. And we kick around ideas and I kick around, I come up with some ideas and he comes up with some ideas and we kick them around and, you know, eventually we come up with the six or seven stories or whatever that we really want to do. And so one of the ones that I proposed was doing a role-playing game and, you know, have the role-playing game become 
real, you know, that it, that it really starts happening to them. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a horror one and something starts happening at the game and you have to go through the game in order to finish it and all that. And he was like, um, dude, I've, I've seen stranger things and no, I don't want to do that. Um, so, so, but you know, that was our first season. So we didn't really know what we had for a comic yet. And then once we realized that our comic wasn't going to be anything like Stranger Things or it wasn't going to be really like anything else, it was like, oh yeah, that's an idea that we could do. And so he came back to it on the cover and he talked to me and he's like, you know, look, the next time we have a free story that we can do, let's think about doing that. And so, you know, it's just these ideas that we have that come out in weird ways. And so sometimes they come out on covers and sometimes it's just, you know, who, if you're doing a Halloween issue, you want to dress up the, the kids in their Halloween costumes and, you know, talk about, you know, who those characters are. You know, like you have one girl dressing up like a witch because she's a witch. And you have right. one girl who dresses up like a werewolf because she's turning into a rat thing. You know, it's you get to comment on what's going on in the comic by putting them in costume. So there are certain nods to like all these covers you're, you're doing. That's cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's always something going on in the covers. And the other thing is, you know, it's really gives Ryan, the artist, free reign. Cause I don't tell him what to do for covers. You know, he, he comes up with all the concept. He comes up with like four different concepts and pitches them to me. And I, I narrow them down to two. And then he usually picks one from that. And then he can just do whatever he wants from that. And, you know, it's really him getting a chance to express what he thinks about the series and what he thinks about the characters. And so it's, you know, when we got started doing this, you know, I know lots of creators do this where the writer hires the artist and it's the writer's ball game and, you know, they're in charge and all that. And I, I did not want to do that. I don't, I don't like that. I like collaboration. If I'm going to do a comic book, I want it to be a, an equal partnership where, you know, he feels fully invested. He feels like he owns it as much as I do. Cause frankly, if, if you aren't working together as a team, in my experience has always been, it's, it's, it's going to show, but if yeah. you're both working on the same thing, if you both feel like you got a stake in it, if you both really feel like it's your thing, you're going to do better work. And so that's, that's one of the things. So I, I like that he feels like he has ownership of the characters that he can do what he wants with it. And it really comes through on those covers. It does. It really does. And by Ryan, you mean Ryan Mendoza, right? Mm -hmm. right. Yep. Ryan right. Mendoza. So really, you know, the comic book is just the two of us. He, so I write the script you know, I turn it over to him. He draws it, he inks it, he colors it, sends it back to me, and then I letter it, and we're done. You know, it's just the two of us. We're a really, really small group, and it's just the two of us. And so we're just doing the comics ourselves. And in a lot of ways, it makes it really easy because, you know, you don't have a lot of people. His inking and his line work is amazing. It's very clean. It's very smooth. It's uh, even like the background work, the architecture, everything he did like in this comic, like word, like uh, art wise, it's mm -hmm. stunning. It's really, it's, it's really fascinating. Like just, it's so good. It's like a, it's like an Archie comic book meets like a feeling staple type work on uh -huh. Saga. Like it's, it's really, uh -huh. it's really good. Yeah, no, I, I love his architecture work. One of the things that I love to throw at him is, you know, just create a new world every time that he has to draw things. And he's like, all right, where are you putting me now? And so, you know, <laughs> hey, all right, we're going to we're going to do a hollow earth where you fall down a hole and suddenly we're dealing with druids and, you know, dinosaurs. But, you know, in our right, World War One army tanks go see if you can do it. 
um, you know, and just really just throwing challenges at him. And, you know, he creates these whole worlds. And yeah, it's, it's one of the joys to see the artwork start coming in because he sends me the pencils and then he sends me the, the inked work. And it's like, holy crap, he really pulled it off. He does. And there's, there's like one scene in issue number six where, uh, mm-hmm. where two characters find like this, this hidden room. I don't think I'm giving away too much spoilers here, but two characters find like this hidden room where they see all these treasures. Mm-hmm. And the treasures inside that room has so much detail to it. And it's so clean, oh, yeah. so smooth. You know, sometimes like you see artwork and it's kind of blurry. Something's kind of like just smushed together, thrown in spots. This is like, like a treasure hunt. Like, uh, right. like things you can find, Nas you can call out to. And uh, Mendoza did a good job of, of, of putting all that together without having it be like thrown in your face, but also not just uh, blurred and like pushed to the side. Like you won't care about seeing stuff. But every panel that he does that has like a lot of uh, scenery inside of it is done right. really tastefully. Right. And one of the things that I really like about his work is the way he uses these shadows. He uses these deep, rich blacks and you know, something is hiding in there and you just get a little touch of it or a little taste of it. And, oh man, yeah, I, I'm the biggest fan of his work. So I love seeing it. it you know, one of, one of the, you know, I'm not kidding, you know, uh, and I think a lot of people would say this is, you know, when you want to work in comic books and your art ability is the ability to draw stick figures, the people who can actually draw, they're like superheroes to you. So like when he sends me artwork and it's like, holy crap, this was just words two days ago. And now it's like totally come to life. There's real characters having these real conversations, having these real actions together. And it's like, man, yeah, it just, it, it's amazing to me that somebody can do that. No, I get it. I get it completely. It's like, it's like literally having your work come to life in a way. I, mm-hmm. I completely get it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you guys said that you have a couple more issues coming out after this. When are those issues come out? Okay, so we just, so it's uh, early September right now. We just did the Kickstarter for issue eight. So those are at the printer. When they come in, I'll send them out. And then... Starting the end of September, we got a Kickstarter going for our crossover. So we're doing a crossover, a two-part crossover with a comic book called Lovecraft P.I. Um, who now is this? advertised at the end of, end of your comic books, right? Right, exactly. Yep, and we've been, we're putting it up on social media now. And, you know, we'll be talking a lot about it for the next, you know, couple of months or so. And, you know, so uh, we got the two-parter for that. You know, we got one coming out. Uh, Kickstarter end of September and we got the second part we decided to push it back to January just because you know so much stuff is going on you know you no, got coronavirus you got the election you got Christmas time you got oh man it's it's crazy so it's we decided to push a lot of stuff yeah yeah it's like a perfect storm of weirdness um so we got so we pushed that off to January and then we got like I said you know we've finished the script and or the art for up to issue 13, which ends our second arc, our, our second season. 
So those will be coming out all, you know, next year through the spring or so. Who, who's going to be doing the, the work on those comic books? Like, how is that, that crossover going to look? Is it going to be you and Mendoza doing, the, doing two issues or one issue? And, like, uh, the other guys doing Lovecraft PI? Like, is it going to be you guys, like, blending, blending pages instead of uh, both comic books? How's that going to look? Right. So when, when we pitched it, and this will tell you how old I am, uh, I pitched it to, to DW, who's the, the writer over on Lovecraft PI, and I said, let's treat it like Magnum PI meets Simon and Simon. So way back in the day, Magnum PI, Tom Selleck came on at, let's say, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or whatever. And then Simon and Simon, which is about two private investigators in San Diego, came on immediately after that. And so what would happen is somebody from Simon and Simon would show up on the Magnum PI episode and then they would have some sort of mystery and then the mystery wouldn't end. But during the second hour, you know, the Simon and Simon show, somebody from Magnum PI would come over to the Simon and Simon show. And so I sort of pitched it like that idea, which is, you know, the first issue would be our issue. I'll write it. Ryan will draw it, you know, and we'll have Ward Lovecraft come on to come into our, you know, comics somehow. And we'll have this adventure. And at the end of it, they're going to end up going back in time to the 1930s to Lovecraft PI time. And that'll be in their issue for the second part. And so they'll, you know, DW would write it. Um, they're con and Daniel uh, Segulia, um, right? Exactly, and, and Daniel will do the art, and they really responded to it. They thought that was a great idea, you know, because it's it a gives back to an old trope, like uh, even Image Comic did tropes like that with Gen Thirteen and Generation X. Where, Absolutely, where one company would do one, the other company would do the other. Yeah, yeah, like the old Deathmate series that you know came out like over the course of four years, even though it's supposed to come over out over three months or whatever. Yeah. I think, I think they also did the same thing with, uh, with justice league and black hammer recently too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was the idea. And you know, the fun, it, it makes it fun for both teams because, you know, Ryan likes noir. I like noir. I think it's cool. So it was fun to bring that into our comic and do that. And, we'll and then and theme attached to it. Exactly. And then, you know, it was fun for them because theirs is very serious and very dark. And so you throw, you know, these five sarcastic kids into the story and it really lightens it up and it makes it fun. And it's a different flavor from something they had done before. And so they had fun with it and we had fun with it. And then, so then once we got talking about the covers, we're like, okay, what if Ryan does one cover for our cover and a cover for their issue? But then also we get Daniel to do a cover for our issue and do a cover for their issue. So, you know, it's like both teams doing their own thing, but really, you know, it, it's come together. It feels like a, a natural fluid thing rather than, oh, hey, you know, I can tell that, you know, one team ended here and the other team started there. <laughs> I, and like, you honestly, as a fan, you can definitely tell when people do stuff like that. You can tell like, okay, well, like, you can tell when this person just, just slacked off. It's like, okay, I'm just going to hand this over to you guys. <laughs> it seems like, like you guys are just trying to blend it, blend it as much as you can. Like it's like a, like a lot of fingers inside just without overlapping into each other. That's, that's cool. Right. And we, we sort of tried to play to each other's strengths. Like the, the, so we did a lot of the setup and a lot of the humor, you know, the real fish out of water stuff and then turned it over to them. And one of the things I really like about their comic, cause you know, I'm a fan of their comic. I was a fan of their comic before we ever started talking about a crossover is 
theirs is very cinematic. There's very, it's very action oriented. It's, you know, there's a, a lot of, they handle it really well in a way that, that we don't always handle it in our comic, you know, because we have a lot more comedy and stuff. Right. And so it was, you know, it was natural when we were working out how the story beats would go to have the big action pieces at the end, you know, in their comic, because they're so good at it. And I was just seeing some pages from it. And, you know, in like Indiana Jones, where you got these, these monsters sort of bad guy things and magic is happening and somebody's riding around in a tank and somebody's on a horse and things are blowing up. It's like that. And I'm looking at these pages. Oh, it looks so good. I can't wait to see it when it's done. It sounds like you got a lot of stuff going on with this. Like a lot of stuff that we have, we may not, we not expect, but also enjoy at the same time. Uh, I got one more question for you though, before we take off here. Um, Absolutely. You have this, uh, this, this, this mini. I'm not sure if it's mm-hmm. if it's a part of one of the issues or not, but it's called "All the Ghosts at Midnight." Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not gonna give any any spoilers away inside of it, but you guys have this. I'm not sure if it's a part of like the actual series or if it's like a side of the series, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's it's a cute and quaint type story with a lot of a lot, lot, lot of the same angst you see inside like all the other issues you have before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, why why create this this type of issue mm-hmm. for for this one character, as and not have like any of the other main characters inside the story? Right. So it's one of the only times we've done that where we really don't have any other characters. And one of the things that that I I like is when you get these little stories, or you get different kinds of stories. You know, like if you if if you're reading the comic book, you know, not ours, but any comic book, and it's the same, it's 24 pages every time. And, you know, let's use X-Men, for example. Okay, so you get an X-Men story. It's like the same X-Men story every issue. You know, you're dealing with, with the bad guys. You're dealing with running away from the law. You're li- dealing with the danger room. You're dealing with this stuff. And you sort of know what you're going to get right. in an X-Men comic. But then they'll do an annual or they'll do like some, a backup story or they'll do these little things and the stories will be completely different. And sometimes you like it and sometimes you don't, but it's cool that you get to see these different things because you get a different view into this world or a different view into these characters and it, it makes them a little more real. And so for me, we were, we were doing the first trade paperback and I said to Ryan, what if we did a short story for it? Just, you know, eight pages or whatever. And then when you're doing eight pages, you can't, you can't have all the characters. And so we decided, okay, let's do the cat because we hadn't seen much of the cat. And I like the cat because she's a haughty kind of cat. And she's kind of, you know, she's putting people in their place. Um, and often. then yeah. quite often. And so, you know, who's the perfect person to team her up with? Why not the, 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 the foul mouthed ghost, you know, who doesn't listen to anybody. And so put them together and, you know, it was going to just be them walking around town and, and sort of foreshadowing a lot of the, the, the stories that we were going to come up with. And as we were doing it, you know, it was my first real chance to write the ghost by himself. And the ghost is one of my favorite characters. His name is Anton. He doesn't even appear until issue three, you know, spoilers. Um, 
he's foul mouthed and you think that he's just this one note character. And what I really wanted to do was show that he's a lot more than that. You know, he's going to be really important to the story as it goes on, you know, but I don't want to give away too much just yet. And so I <laughs> understandable. <laughs> right. So, so what I wanted to do was I really wanted to do a story where you just saw him and you realized that he has a choice, you know, like most of us have a choice. You could, you can be the person who just dismisses everything and doesn't want to deal with it and just, you know, make jokes about it or be sarcastic about it or, 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 you know, it's somebody else's problem or you can get involved. And if you get involved, things are going to get messy. Your feelings are going to get hurt. It's, it's not always going to end the way you want it to do, but maybe things will be better because of it. And so I wanted to present that choice to him and say, okay, what are you going to choose? And really get the idea going that maybe there's more to him than you really think from what you've seen so far. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what we did. And so we put it in, we put in the trade paperback and look, I I'm, I'm a collector of comics and you know i have that completest thing where you know oh okay i gotta get this i gotta get this i gotta get this they did this okay i gotta get this so we put in the trade paperback and i knew there were people who bought the six issues and didn't want to buy the trade paperback and i don't want to make them buy the trade paperback if they don't want it you know i don't care but i also know that maybe they want that story so we did that so we did it as in the trade paperback and then we did it as like a small little add-on i think it costs like two dollars or whatever and you know, $1 for, for a PDF or maybe $3 or $4 or whatever for, for the actual comic, just so that, you know, people who didn't want to buy the trade could just buy an issue and, and have that story without having to buy a whole trade. And so that's, yeah, so that's what we did with it. And, you know, it's a story that I really like. I think it's a cool little story, you know. I think the real cool part is like, there's no real time frame to when this story is taking place. And so like the actual miskatonic high story so like it can happen after like we meet these kids or it can happen before we meet these kids it's really uh it's really it's really interesting right right and you know exactly you know it's one of those things it's like sometimes when you're writing these stories it's kind of hard to place them in you know i i didn't have any appreciation for that you know you, you see all these comic books especially from olden time and they would they would have the note at the beginning saying you know this occurs before what happens in issue 141 right. or this occurs before what happens in daredevil 131 or whatever and you're like why are you telling me that and then you know once you get into it and you have characters and characters change and stuff happens but you want to deal with things that may have happened before you you totally, I, I, I understand it now. I get it now. It's like exactly how that happens. It adds a little bit of nuance to the story. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, this is a really good story. Uh, I always like to ask people a question about some kind of nerdy news that's happening. And so, like, you know, other nerdy situations, comic book, video games, or otherwise. And right now, DC is putting Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, Dark Multiverse comic books mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure if you heard about heard about these, the Dark Multiverse. They got the Crisis on Infinite Earth. They got Wonder Woman, God of War. They got the Dark mm -hmm. Metals. All mm -hmm. all Dark Multiverse. So it has nothing to do with the canon of uh, DC Universe. Mm -hmm. my, my question to you is, like, have you read any of these stories? And if you have, like, what do you think of them? I haven't read any of these stories, but I got to tell you, like, one of my favorite things, especially when I was younger, was reading like any elsewhere, Elseworlds or what if stories or things like that. I always loved those stories yeah. where, you know, you really let the creators go nuts 
like they could kill off Wolverine because it's a what if story or they could, you know, have Batman meets Dracula because it's an Elseworld story, you know, <laughs> or, you know, like, I think I read what it was it called. It was like Armageddon 2000 or something was a DC thing. Right. Way back it's a Kirby story where he went to Commandy, I think it was. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, you know, so, you know, I, I think it's cool when you have these stories out of canon, I know that not all everybody likes them, but I like them because it really allows you to, to sort of go nuts and see things from a different way. So, you know, I, I think it's a cool idea. I'm, I'm just glad that DC is putting out comics. You know, I got to admit for a while there, I was kind of worried about it, which is kind of a weird thing to say when you're talking about like a mainstream comic company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause you heard about the layoffs and things like that, but yeah, you know, uh, it's nice to hear that you still have comic books coming out. It sucks that some of the people lost their jobs along the way, but uh, yeah, it, it is weird to say about a big major corporation, like, wow, they're really struggling right now. It's kind of yeah. hard to put yourself in that perspective to see what they're really going into. Right. But you know, it's also, and I think it's a real thing that's going on right now. And, you know, I was talking to, to somebody else about this and they were sharing something with me that shows God, I hate to, to use this phrase, but market share. And what they were saying was like Scholastic, like the, the school, like the kids book company okay, has like 40% of the comic book market. Yeah, it has like the, one of the biggest majority of comic books come from like a school tactic, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, it, like if you look at it compared to like Marvel and DC, it's like it's I mean, overpowering. Yeah. You know, the thing that occurred, you know, that struck me from that, and it's true because I have kids and, and I get them graphic novels to read, with, and usually they're scholastic graphic novels, is there's a lot of truth to the idea that we've gotten away from, which is that comics are great for kids if you if you write them in a way that kids will appreciate them. Well, you, you say that, but the, the way I look at it is that comic books started out for kids in the golden age and mm -hmm. they try to bring them back for kids recently and this is what i call neo golden age when the mcu started their thing around uh 2012 mm -hmm. 2013 yeah and they try to make them for kids again and it just it slowly or surely those kids eventually get old and like that 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 mindset changes but right what dc and marvel usually like to do is cater a brand just for kids but since like you know since like they still have to write for audiences that's right. between a certain gap like it, it always seems to fall in a ways up but like those those, those scholastic stories my mm -hmm. kid just got like some peppa pig books yeah and like it's just someone you just kind of know your market know your brand like something like superhero just isn't what sell like disney the disney ducktales and disney scrooge mcduck comic books they're they're still going strong because right. Like people, they're, they're for all ages, all ages. Right, exactly. And I, I think that's part of it. You know, it's, it's funny because I was, you know, I do a horror comic and we started putting it out. We, we thought we were doing it just for like adults and teenagers. And next thing I know, I have parents writing me and saying, oh, yeah, you know, I give them to my 10-year-old my to read or I give them to my 13-year-old to read them and they love them. It's and I was like, Sabrina. it's very right, exactly. You know, I, Right. When you said, uh, believe me, we get the, the comparison to the Archie comics all the time. And, you oh, yeah. know, I'm, I'm of a certain age that when, when I first heard that, I was like, the, them's fighting words. I'm going to, I'm going to fight you about that one. And then take with you know, a little that, sign of pride. It's a, it's a great thing. Right. Exactly. And, started really not, and, you know, started realizing, you know, yeah, that's exactly it. When I think back to the comics that I read as a kid, 
you know, I read the Spider-Man comics. I read X-Men comics. I read, you know, uh, 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 you know, Donald Duck comics. I read them right. all. And, you know, when I was reading Spider-Man, you know, it's, there wasn't a lot of murder. There wasn't a lot of rape. There wasn't a lot of all this stuff. And it appealed to me because it was all ages, you know, but when you say all ages, it's not like you're talking down to kids. It's like you're encouraging kids to, to read more, to get more into the story, to embrace, you know, bigger stories and with better storytelling. And eventually they're going to graduate to, you know, Watchmen or whatever. And, you know, all those other things, but doing an all age comics is really kind of smart because you know, kids want to read these comics. They have the time to read these comics. And it, if they're reading them, they're adult, the parents are going to read them with them or read them too. And it's like, that's the kind of comics I want to do. I want to do comics that, that everybody like. I don't want to do comics only for, you know, this sub niche of that niche of this person to that person. You know, I want to do comics that, that people are going to like and respond to. And hopefully it's going to be a lot of different kinds of people and not just one kind of person. That's kind of how I see the Archie comic books also. Like I know you said before, you used to you used to grab about that and like, you know, you weren't a fan of it, but uh, like just how DC and Marvel set a foundation for comic books and how Superman set like, you know, the ground for superheroes, mm-hmm. uh, Archie and Tintin and like the, the Shadow, they, they've yeah. all they've all set foundation for comic books also, just not in the same way as superhero comics did. Right. And, you know, again, when I was a kid, you know, the the comic that I ultimately gravitated towards was, was X-Men because there were like all different kinds of people in there. Right. You know, you, you had Kitty Pride who was a, a, a young white girl and then you had Jewish Storm. Yeah. At that. And then you had Storm who was an, who was an African lady who was strong and powerful. And you had Wolverine who was a killer, but didn't want to be a killer. He wanted to be a samurai. He wanted to be honorable. And you had Nightcrawler who was fun and could just go out and have adventures and you had all these different kinds of people and like that's the kind of stories that i like i you know it embraces a bigger audience than just saying okay look i'm gonna write a comic for you know men 30 to 40 who like serial killer stories you know and and are gonna be adult only that's not the kind of storytelling i want to do you know I want something that I can show my daughter and have her like it, that I can show my son and have him like it, that I can show their friends, have them like it. I want, I want something that people feel like is a fun comic and they want to read it because they see all kinds of different people in it. You know, I can't, I can't speak for everyone else. I can mm-hmm. speak for myself. Like I think, uh, I think you did. I think you pulled that off. I think there's a lot of scenes inside your comic book where you had to cover your eyes and look between your fingers when you're reading the comic <laughs> book. But uh, it's, it's nothing too horrific out of the ordinary. And like right. every, every, all the bad guys get, you know, have consequences to their actions. But even some of the good guys have consequences to their actions. And like it, it's all full circle. Right. Like, I think you did a great job with this. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, see, now I can quit. I don't need to do any more. I'm done. There you go. All right. All right. <laughs> this, this has been D FD Nerd Talk. Mike, uh, where, where can people find you? Uh, usually the best place to find us is on Kickstarter. We're on there every other month or so putting out a comic. And otherwise, you can find us on MiskatonicHighComic.com. Perfect. Mike, I have so much fun hanging out with you, man. Uh, I hope to have you on the show soon. I'll talk to you about your Kickstarter and your next upcoming issues. 
You too, D. This has really been a lot of fun. Thanks so much. All right, have a good one, guys. Thanks. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.